ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئه اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله Verily the praise belongs to Allah we praise him seek his assistance and forgiveness and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds Whoever Allah guides there is no one that can lead him astray and whoever Allah leads astray there is no one that can guide him and I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshiped except Allah alone and that he has no partners or associates and I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam is his slave servant and his messenger just quickly i'd like to review some of what we discussed in the previous lecture in lecture number 16 before going on to the points for today uh last week we completed point number 60 which deals with the matters related to the resurrection that all of people all the people would be gathered together uh barefooted naked uncircumcised and without anything with them and all of the people would stand in the mawqif the appointed place of standing for account until the prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam would intercede for them for the judgment to begin and that is what is known as ash-shafa'ah al-'uzma or the great intercession and then after that intercession allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will call all the people to give account for their deeds then the scales al-mawazin will be set up and the records ad-dawawin distributed and the books of deeds suhuf al-a'mal will be dispersed to the right and to the left or to the right hands and to the left hands yani those who will receive their books in their right hands the people of paradise and those who will receive their books in their left hands the people who will be punished in the hellfire or those who receive theirs behind their back as mentioned in surah al-inshiqaq chapter 84 verse verses 7 through 12 then we talked about point number 61 in which al-imam ibn qudam rahimahullah in his book lumat al-i'tiqad al-hadi ila sabil ar-rashad he mentions uh, in point number 61 the mizan or the balance that the mizan has two scales kaffatan and a lisan tongue which we said it is not confirmed in the sunnah of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam that al-mizan that it would have a tongue but it has two scales by which the actions and the deeds of the people will be weighed then those whose balance of good deeds are heavy they will be successful and the opposite those who whose good deeds are light or in fact who have no good deeds meaning the disbelievers primarily they would be punished in the hellfire and perhaps also some of the believers some of the people who died on tawhid but who had sins if allah does not forgive them and if they have not sincerely repented in this life then they may also be punished for some time before take being taken out of the fire and all of this we will discuss in more detail uh, as we go along and the last point that imam ibn qudama mentioned point number 62 uh he said wali nabiyyina muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam haudun 
that for our Prophet Muhammad there is a hawd, a fountain or a pond uh, that will be there for him on the day of resurrection and its water is more white than milk and sweeter than honey and its drinking vessels are similar or equal to the number of the stars in the sky and whoever drank from it would never be thirsty again. Uh, all of these things we discussed in some detail uh, and the most important of what I wanted to mention before going on from the previous lecture is uh, in the explanation of Shaykh Muhammad ibn Sa'di al-Uthaymeen Hafidhahullah, may Allah protect and preserve him uh, he mentions a hadith uh, where it is reported that the Prophet said the meaning of it is that the water for the hawd of the Prophet would come from Al-Kawthar the river that would be for him in paradise and that hadith which is quoted here in the explanation of the sharh of the book is reported from the Musnad of Imam Ahmed and he says here that Al-Hafid ibn Kathir said that the hadith is Hassan it's Isnad and it's Metin the Isnad, the chain of narrators as well as the Metin the text of the hadith Al-Hafid ibn Kathir Rahimahullah said that it is Hassan however some of the scholars spoke about this hadith and it had been declared to be weak due to one of the narrators Abdul ibn Luhayya who is known to have been a weak or daif narrator therefore that hadith shouldn't be classified as Hassan but it should be classified as daif in any case I said last week that I didn't have a chance to check that hadith but it seemed as though I remember reading an authentic hadith which, which is of similar meaning and alhamdulillah after searching I did find some a number of hadith related to the hawd of the Prophet and from amongst those hadith is a hadith reported in the Sahih of Muslim on the authority of Thawban radiallahu anhu he said su'ila an sharabihi that the Prophet was asked about the drinking, the water of the hawd faqala ashaddu bayadan min al-laban wa ahla min al-asl that it would be more white than milk and sweeter than honey يغط أو يصب أو يصيل فيه ميزابان يمدانه أو يمدانه من الجنة that that how it would have two spouts pouring into it water would be pouring in, into the hawd from these two spouts and that water would be coming from al-jannah from the paradise and concerning those two spouts he said ahaduhuma min dhahab wal akhar min warq that one of them would be from gold made from gold and the other made from silver so this hadith confirms the meaning of the hadith that the shaykh mentions in his explanation that the hawd of the prophet it would be supplied with water from al-jannah uh, <coughs> uh, also in the handout last week inshallah we will recopy the handout from last week because I neglected to add any questions to it so inshallah when you get the handout the new handout for last week you will find that there are some questions there that you should pay attention to 
from amongst them quickly we'll just look at them because there are many questions the first of them will Allah expose the deeds of the believer in the same way as the kafir and we said in the explanation last week that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would bring the believer when he takes his account from him near to him and ask him about his actions did you do such and such and so and so and he will agree of course to everything that he has done but it, he would not expose him to all of the people on the plain where the people will be gathered for judgment whereas the kafir the Prophet ﷺ said that Allah would expose them and their deeds in front of all of the people all of the people who would be standing waiting for judgment so the uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would not expose the deeds of the believer in the same way that he would expose the disbeliever well some people enter al-jannah without hisab, account, or azab, punishment and we said that in fact the Prophet ﷺ mentioned to one of the companions Uqasa radiallahu anhu that he would be one of the 70,000 people who would enter the paradise bila hisab wala adab with no accounting and no punishment yani they would enter paradise directly without any account being taken from them and also we mentioned uh, other hadith mentioned by Hafiz ibn Kathir and others of the scholars collected those hadith in which the Prophet said that along with every thousand of them or with every one of them there would be 70,000 more of the believers from his ummah that would also enter the paradise without accounting and without punishment the third question which would be the first ummah called to account on the day of resurrection to come afterwards uh, and we said that it's mentioned in the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ that his ummah is the last ummah yani the last people who, who were called but they will be the first people to be judged on Yawm Qiyamah what is the first right of Allah's rights that we will be questioned about and also in the hadith the Prophet ﷺ mentioned that the first of the rights of Allah that he has over us the first thing that uh, we will be called to account for is as-salat naam uh, what is the first matter to be settled in the disputes between the people also the Prophet ﷺ said that the first thing that will be settled between the disputes of the people are matters related to shedding of blood is it correct to say that al-mizan the balance has two scales and a tongue no it's not correct we should say that it has two scales but not to say that it has a tongue because the hadith concerning this is unauthentic will there be many balances mawazin or one mizan and the shaykh discussed this in the sharh he said that the scholars differ about it some of them said that there would be many because in the Quran it's always mentioned in the plural mawazin but in the hadith it's only mentioned in the singular mizan so some of the scholars uh, took the opinion that, it's, that there would be many and some of the scholars took the opinion that it would be only one uh, what will be weighed in the scales on the day of judgment we said that also the scholars differed about this some of them said that the deeds of the people would be weighed according to the hadith that mentions hadith and also in the Quran they mentioned the deeds of the people would be weighed such as the hadith of the Prophet وسلم, that there are two words kalimatani uh, habibatani ila rahmani thaqilatani fil mizani khafifatani that this hadith and other such hadith indicate that deeds of the people will be weighed and other proofs indicate that the 
books or the records of the people will be weighed and this is indicated in the hadith of the bitaqa the person who had a one good deed written for him it was the deed of his testimony of la ilaha illallah muhammad rasulullah and on yawm al-qiyamah when all of his bad deeds were presented against him and put in one scale his records were put in one scale and his record of one good deed the testimony of la ilaha illallah was put in the other scale which is a proof also that the records of the people would be weighed and in some of the hadith it's mentioned in the sahih that a person, a very very heavy man who ate and drank much would be put in the scale and he wouldn't be equal in front of Allah to the weight of the wing of a fly or a gnat. So all of these are indications of the possibility that it may be the books or the records that are weighed or the actions of deeds of the people that are weighed or the people themselves may be weighed and some of the scholars said that we can combine these opinions by saying that the records would be weighed but their weight or lightness would be dependent upon the deeds that are written in them in that sense the deeds are weighed and the person being weighed means that his value or worth according to his actions of good or bad is that which would be weighed so it is sort of a reconciliation of the three opinions who are those who receive their records in their right hands? The fortunate people, the people of paradise. Who are those who receive their records in their left hands or behind their backs? The unfortunate ones who would be punished in hellfire. What is the meaning of hisab yafir, easy reckoning? That was mentioned in the hadith in which Aisha radiallahu anha asked the Prophet what is the meaning of? When he was asking so many times, oh Allah give me an easy reckoning and he said it means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would look at the deeds of a person, look at their record of their deeds and he would pardon them, he would overlook their bad deeds and give them the record of their good deeds. This is what is called hisab, hisab and yasira, easy reckoning. Mention something about al-hawd, the fountain or pond of the Prophet and in last week's discussion we mentioned so many of its descriptions uh, including as we mentioned in the text of the book this evening that it's uh, water it would be whiter than milk and sweeter than honey and its smell would be uh, more attractive than the smell of perfume or musk that whoever drinks from it one time would never thirst again that its source would be from Al-Kawthar, a river in paradise uh, and that its length would be equal to a month's journey its width likewise from one corner to another of it would be equal in distance its drinking utensils would be equal to the number of stars and so on so these are the questions inshallah that we should look at from the last week's lecture this evening we would like to continue with those matters which are related to the matters or the affairs or the events of Al-Qiyamah and these matters actually require our attention and we should look at them as matters of a serious nature because they are a reality that can only be known by revelation and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed some of the information concerning these things in the Quran and some of it in the authentic sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in order for us to take a lesson from it that it would be a warning for those who are inclined towards doing evil that they will be aware of what's going to happen that they will be called to account they will, that their deeds would be judged that everything would be recorded and people will be called to account for what they do and also it would be an encouragement for us if we know that everything that we do whether small or great is being recorded and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would reward us for our good deeds even if they are small 
then it is an encouragement for us to do more and more and more good deeds for hope of the reward of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tonight the point that Imam Ibn Qudama rahimahullah uh, mentions in point number 63 inshallah the handout will come after a little while he says والصراط حق يجوزه الأبرار ويزل عنه الفجار that الصراط the bridge it is true it is a reality it will be passed over by الأبرار the righteous the good people وَيَزِلُّ عَنْهُ الْفُجَّارِ And the evil or wicked, they would fall from it. They would slip from it into the hellfire. In the Sharh, the Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen, Hafidhullah, mentions the first point, the meaning of As-Sirat. As-Sirat, linguistically, he said it means الطريق الصراط they didn't bring it yet this is just one cup they will bring after الصراط linguistically it means الطريق or the way or a road and in the technical terminology of the sharia it means الجسر الممدود على جهنم ليعبر الناس عليه إلى جنة it is a bridge an extended bridge that will extend over the hellfire and its purpose is to be a road for the people to pass over the hellfire into the paradise can someone take their hands off? it will be the road or the way for the people who are going into the paradise to cross over the hellfire to reach the paradise and here the shaykh said that this sirat or tariq or this bridge it is confirmed in Al-Kitab, the Qur'an, Al-Sunnah, the way, the teachings of the Prophet and also Qawl al-Salaf, the saying of the early generations of the Muslims. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an, in Surah Maryam, chapter 19, verse 71, إِلَّا وَارِدُهَا كَانَ عَلَىٰ رَبِّكَ حَتْمًا مَقَضِيًّا That there is no one of you except that they will be وَارِدُهَا They will be of those who would cross over it or those who would fall into it according to the different explanations of the scholars of tafsir. And the الْوُرُودِ Some of the scholars said it means to cross over and some of them said it means to fall into وَإِمْ مِنْكُمْ إِلَّا وَارِدُهَا that there is no one from amongst you except that they will be of those who would pass over or fall into it and this is something a decree from your Lord that must take place كَانَ عَلَى رَبِّكَ حَتْمًا مَقْبِيَ it is something that has to take place there is no escape from it here the Shaykh says that some of the scholars from the early generations of the Muslims including As-Sahaba and Tabi'een and from amongst the Sahaba Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu who was one of the great scholars of the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and from amongst the Tabi'een 
Qatada, one of the great scholars of Tabi'een, and Zayd ibn Aslam said that the meaning of al-wurud in this ayat it means al-murur ala sirat it means crossing over a sirat it means to cross over the bridge another group of scholars from amongst them Abdullah ibn Abbas who was one of the greatest scholars from amongst Sahaba probably the most learned of the scholars of Sahaba in the meaning of Quran may Allah be pleased with him and his father and he said that al-wurud in this ayah it means ad-dukhul finnar it means that you will actually enter into the fire lakin yunjawna minha except that the believers would be saved from it they would be rescued from it yani they would fall into the fire they would enter the fire but they would be taken out of it these are the two opinions of the scholars that the Shaykh mentions here and he doesn't go into that much detail concerning it but in any case both opinions have evidence there are ayats in the Quran that seem to suggest the meaning here of this word yani, illa wariduha, this expression that there is no one from amongst you except that they would be of those who would uh, cross over or fall into some of them said that it means to fall into such as in the ayah in Surah Al-Hud, chapter 98, concerning Fir'aun, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, فَأَوْرَدَهُمْ النَّارِ يعني Fir'aun and his people, Allah would cause them to, فَأَوْرَدَهُمْ He would cause them to enter into النَّار And here the meaning of wurud, it means to enter into the fire. That Allah would cause them to enter into the fire. And there are other ayats in the Qur'an from amongst them, the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Maryam, chapter 19 verse 86 and we will drive the mujrimin the criminals the disbelievers and evil and wicked people to ila jahannam warada yani they will go to the paradise and enter it here the meaning again it means to enter from these ayat and similar verses others besides that uh, is the basis of the opinion of Abdul ibn Abbas and those who are with him radiallahu anhum ajma'in who said that uh, in this in the ayat under discussion that the meaning is that everyone without exception there is no one except that they would enter into the hellfire and this is at the time of crossing a sirat those who held the other opinion also had proofs in a number of verses and from amongst them is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Maryam, chapter 19, verse 72, Then we will rescue or save those who had taqwa, the people of taqwa, the people of piety and righteousness. And we will leave the valimin, the wrongdoers, meaning the disbelievers and the pagans, to fall into it, to fall humbly on their knees yani on their knees in the fire this verse the scholars who said that passing over the sirat it doesn't mean that they have that you have to fall that you have to enter the fire due to a hadith reported in the sahih where the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam swore by allah walladhi nafsi biyadihi i swear by the one in whose hand is my life Meaning, I swear by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, لا يلج النار أحد 
that no one of the people who gave allegiance to me under the tree, the allegiance, the bay'ah of Ridwan, the bay'ah of pleasure with the Prophet ﷺ, he said no one of them who gave that pledge to him would enter the fire. Not one of them. And in this ayah, if we understand the meaning of waridha, it means that everyone would definitely enter the fire, then it will also include them. But in this ayah, uh, in this hadith, the Prophet ﷺ said that no one of them who gave the pledge under the tree would enter the fire. One of the uh, companions, one of the women from companions of the Prophet ﷺ, I think it's Hafsa, she said to the Prophet ﷺ, what about the saying of Allah? What about the saying of Allah? Wa in minkum illa wariduha. She understood it means that there is no one of you except you would enter the fire at the time of crossing the bridge. The Prophet said that it is not so and it is not applicable to them. He said that what is applicable here is the saying of Allah Then we will rescue those, the people of Taqwa and we will leave the Zalimeen in it on their knees, humbled on their knees. So here the Prophet explained that not all of the people would enter the hellfire, that some people would be saved from entering the hellfire. And the correct opinion of these two opinions is the reconciliation, the gem or tawfiq between the two of them and that is as some of the scholars said that the wurud, the passing over the sirat, it is of two types. There's wurud of people who, it means they would pass over without falling in and there's wurud of people who would fall in. The disbelievers would fall in. Yani the meaning of this ayat that there is no one except that you would be of those who wariduha if it means falling in it is applicable to the disbelievers but the other meaning of it passing over it it is applicable to the believers who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would save from falling into the fire and that as is indicated in the other verse surah to uh, Maryam 19.72 then we will save those who have taqwa the people of taqwa so some of the people when passing over the bridge will fall in and some of the people would be saved from falling in and they would cross the bridge safely entering into the paradise. And this is a summary of the discussion of the scholars. Though the discussion concerning this matter is a lengthy discussion, but I have attempted to summarize it. And as I said, perhaps the correct opinion is the reconciliation between the two opinions that wrote here it means in reference to the disbelievers that they will fall in. Definitely. There is no disbeliever except they have to enter the hellfire. And as for the believers, then Allah may save some of them or many of them from falling into the hellfire and they will cross safely into the paradise although some of the believers also may fall into the hellfire and after some time as reported in some of the hadith in Al-Bukhari and Muslim they will be taken out by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after being burnt to charcoal and in some of the narrations said after Allah finished judging over the people those who fell in who he decided to take out he will take them out and they will be burnt and they will be dipped into the water of Hayat Ma Hayat or Nahr Hayat, the water of life or the river of life, or it will be poured over them and they would come forth to life again like a plant or a growth comes forth from a seed. So the believers would pass over 
And we ask Allah to be amongst those who will be saved from falling in the hellfire and who will pass safely into the paradise. And the disbelievers, all of them, without exception, will definitely fall off the sirat into the fire. Then the Shaykh says, he mentions a portion of a very lengthy hadith reported in Al-Bukhari and Muslim. And the narrations in Bukhari are more than one. He reported this hadith in a number of places. And it's a very lengthy hadith. Um, and it, it, it has many yeah, any, uh, incidents related to Yawm Qiyamah and the matters yeah, any associated with it. Here the Shaykh, he quotes from a portion of that hadith. The hadith is reported from Abu Sa'id Al-Khudri, radiallahu anhu. And as I said, it is reported by Al-Bukhari al-Muslim, muttafakun alayh. In that hadith, he quotes the portion that is related to As-Sirat, the bridge. And he says, ثُمَّ يُضْرَبُوا الْجَسْرُ أو الْجِسْرُ عَلَى جَهَنَّمْ وَتَحِلُّ الشَّفَعَةِ وَيَقُولُونَ اللَّهُمَّ سَلَّمْ سَلَّمْ this hadith has been reported, or this, uh, this part of the hadith has been reported in different wording. Yeah, and it's slightly different wording, but the meaning is basically the same. That then the jasr, or the jasr, which is the bridge, the sirat, it will be laid out. Ala jahannam, over the hellfire. Watahillu al-shafa'a, and the intercession will be allowed at that point. وَيَقُولُونَ And they will be saying, and according to other narrations, those who will be saying this are the Anbiya. In some of the narrations, the Prophet ﷺ said, no one would be speaking at that time, except the Anbiya. And they will be saying, Allahumma sallam, sallam. Oh Allah, save them. Allow them to be safe, to cross over safely. The Prophets will be praying for the believers, that Allah allow them to cross over safely. It will be indeed a test. For all people in Yawm Qiyamah, no one will enter paradise except they will cross over this bridge. Many will not make it. And so the prophets will be praying for the believers, asking Allah to make it easy for them to pass over. In some of the narrations of the hadith, the prophet said, ثُمَّ يُؤْتَى بِالْجِسْرِ Then the bridge will be brought forth, فَيُجْعَلُوا بَيْنَ ظَهْرِ جَهَنَّمِ And it will be placed over the two sides, of paradise, from over the two sides of the hellfire, from one end to the other end, and in some of the narrations, it said that the Prophet ﷺ said, وَأَكُونُوا أَوَّلُ مَنْ يُجِيزُوا And I will be the first one who will cross over the bridge. The Prophet Muhammad ﷺ, he said, I will be the first one who would cross over the bridge. وَدُعَاءَ الرُّسُولِ يَوْمَئِذٍ And the supplication of the messengers of Allah, the supplication of the messengers of Allah on that day or at that time would be Allahumma sallam sallam that all of them would be supplicating to Allah that Allah allow the believers to cross over safely here the shaykh says that this hadith this report in al-Bukhari and Muslim and it is agreed upon it is confirmed without a doubt by the Ahl sunnah the people of sunnah uh, also and this hadith, yani in the English translation of Bukhari, you can find it in a number of places, but the problem, uh, perhaps if we look, if the, the page numbering is different from the old printing of Bukhari and the new printing. Even the numbering system is different. Unfortunately, because in the original translation of Sahih al-Bukhari by Dr. Muslim Khan, the hadiths were numbered in each volume separately from one on. In the second volume, they started again from number one. 
instead of numbering the hadith from the beginning of Bukhari to the end. And in the Arabic editions, it was numbered from, يعني, for example, in the first volume from 1 to 1000, in the second volume from 1001 to 2000, and so on. In the new translation of Bukhari by Dr. Muslim Khan, the one published by Maktab al Salam, Alhamdulillah, they followed the continuous numbering system as it is in the Arabic books. And that's the one that I prefer to use because it coincides with the explanation of Bukhari by Al-Hafiz ibn Hajar Asqalani, Fatul Bari. The English, the new English translation of Bukhari, it's the same translation but the new printing by Maktab al Salam, follows the numbering system of the Arabic explanation by Al-Hafiz ibn Hajar Asqalani, entitled Fatul Bari. In any case, in volume 9, on page 322 to 325, in Kitab al the book of Tawheed, if you look in, probably in the same last volume, even in the old printing, in the book of Tawheed, uh, the 24th subtitle or subchapter, you will find some of those narrations from Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu anhu and other companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi concerning this matter. Here the Shaykh says, and the second point concerning this topic is Sifat al-Sirat, the description of al-Sirat. What is the description of the Sirat? In the same narration of Abu Sa'id al-Khudri, reported by al-Bukhari, and in a similar narration from Abu Huraira, radiallahu anhu, which is also reported by al-Bukhari and Muslim, he quotes, some portions of those hadith in which the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam was asked what is a sirat or in some of the narrations mal jasr what is this jasr the sirat what is this bridge that he described would be laid over the hellfire the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said he described it as madhadatun mazillatun alayhi khatatif wa kalalib وَحَسَكَةٌ مُفَلْتَحَةٌ لَهَا شَوْكَةٌ أَقِيفًا تَقُونُ بِنَجْدٍ يُقَالُ لَهَا السَّعَدَانِ And he said that the description of the bridge is that it would be slippery, very slippery. It would be slippery. And over it there would be camps, خَطَاطِيف camps, وَكَلَالِيب hooks hooks like a thorny seed he described these hooks by a description that was known to them he said it was like a thorny seed that is wide at one side and narrow at the other side and has thorns with bent ends yani has thorns with bent ends yani sharp thorns on the end of this thorny seed so he said that it was a slippery bridge which has clamps and hooks with sharp bent thorns on it. And he said at the end of that description that this, this thorny seed is found in Nejd in a place in the Arabian Peninsula and is called As-Sa'dan. Yani it is known as As-Sa'dan. If anybody saw this thorny seed they would have an idea, a small model of what those camps and hooks that will be on the Sarat look like. The Prophet ﷺ in another hadith reported by Al-Bukhari and Muslim, this one on the authority of Abu Huraira, radiallahu anhu, he said, وَبِهِ كَلَالِيبْ مِثْلُ 
شوق السعدان غير أنها لا يعلم قدر عظمها إلا الله فتختفوا الناس بأعمالهم He said that also concerning the Sirat or the Jasr or the bridge He said that it would have hooks Like the thorn of Sa'adan The thorn, the thorny seed that is known as Sa'adan Except that no one could know the magnitude The greatness of these hooks or thorns Except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yani They wouldn't be small thorns like the one you found in the desert in the Arabian Peninsula but they will be tremendous hooks and thorns that people would be caught on and he said then it would grab hold of the people those thorns would grab, grab hold of the people according to their deeds according to their actions and this hadith is hadith number 6573 in volume 8 of the Sahih al-Bukhari pages 306 to 308 the other one is 7439 if anybody has the new uh, printing of the English translation of Sahih al-Bukhari in another hadith uh, in case someone has the old printing you may be able to find it if you look in the book of al-Raqaq yani those things related to uh, softening of the heart in the chapter As-Sirat Jasr Jahannam that the bridge it is As-Sirat it is a bridge over Jahannam the Prophet is also reported to have said in a hadith in the Sahih of Muslim also reported from Abu Hurairah or Abu Sa'id al-Qudri radiallahu anhu he said Abu Sa'id al-Qudri said Balagani and this expression Balagani it is an expression that the scholars of Hadith uh, explain its meaning is that the reporter of a Hadith sometimes doesn't mention the chain of narrators that the Hadith came through, through and it came from someone who heard it from a tabi'i who heard it from a sahabi who heard it from the Prophet sometimes they used to say like this balagani it reached me and in this saying without giving the chain of narrative and normally such a hadith is considered da'i but here al-imam muslim rahimahullah in his book the sahih of muslim mentions this, this report from Abu Sa'id al-Khudri after the previous hadith from Abu Sa'id al-Khudri al-imam muslim rahimahullah says that Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu anhu said balagani أنه أدق من الشعر وأحد من السيف يعني he said that verily it meaning الصراط or the bridge it is thinner than a strain of hair and it is sharper than a sword يعني the bridge would be thin it won't be easy to cross it would be very thin like a strain of hair and it will be sharp as a sword and remember it's also slippery slippery subhanallah we seek refuge in Allah and ask for his help on that day when the people are crossing as-sirat this hadith is reported by Imam Muslim and also reported in the Musnad of Imam Ahmed but in the Musnad of Imam Ahmed it's reported on the authority of Aisha radiallahu anha and she attributed it to the Prophet yani 
she didn't say as Abu Sa'id al-Khudri said that it reached me, but she said it came from the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The next topic, the third and last topic concerning al-sirat, the Shaykh says, al-ubur ala al-sirat wa kayfiyatuhu. The crossing over the sirat and how it will be. How will be that crossing? Keeping in mind, brothers and sisters, that this is a reality. It is haqqun, it is true, it will really happen, it will take place. It is only known to us by the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a warning to us. As a warning that there is going to come a day when we will be subjected to this terrifying experience of crossing over the hellfire. Over a bridge that's thin as a strain of hair, sharper, sharp as a sword, and slippery. And it will have hooks and thorns on it that will catch the people who will slip off of it. And some of them will slip off and fall into the hellfire. And the people will cross according to their actions. Or the people will be grabbed by those thorns according to their actions. Meaning that the people who have evil deeds, they will be caused to slip off. And the people who have evil deeds also may be caused to be slipped and caught on those hooks. Uh, or those clamps. Here the Shaykh says that no one will cross over the Sirat except Al-Mu'minun, the believers. And the disbelievers would not be able to cross. No disbeliever will cross over the bridge. Those, the only ones who will cross are those who have Iman. And they will cross according to their deeds. And this is based on the previously mentioned hadith. It is a long hadith and here he quotes another portion of it. The hadith of Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu anhu from the Prophet sallallahu wasallam that he said That the believers, some of them would pass like the blinking of an eye. They would pass as quickly as one can blink the eye. They would have crossed. As quickly as you can blink the, your eye, according to the deeds of the people, Allah will allow some of them to cross that quickly. And we ask Allah to make us from amongst them. And some of them would cross over like the speed of lightning. Like the speed of lightning. How fast is lightning? That quickly some would pass over the sirat. And some of them would pass over at the speed of a strong wind. And some like a, like a bird. And some would pass over like the speed of fast horses or fast camels. Obviously that's a lot slower than lightning or the blink of an eye. But even if we are from amongst them, Alhamdulillah, it would be Allah's mercy upon us. Then the Prophet وسلم, said, Fanajin Musallam. There are some who would cross over safely. They would escape. They would be successful in crossing without any harm being caused to them. Fanajin Musallam. Yani they would be successful in crossing and no harm would be caused to them. Then he said, وَنَاجٍ مَخْدُوش And some, they would cross over, but they would cross over with some scratches from the hooks and the clamps on the sirat. But alhamdulillah they would cross, even if they didn't escape completely safe, but they would cross. وَمَكْدُوش فِي نَارِ جَهَنَّمْ And some of them will fall into the hellfire. This hadith is reported 
by Al-Bukhari and Muslim. This is a description of how the people would cross over the bridge. Some would cross quickly as the winking or the blinking of an eye, some as the speed of light, lightning, some like a fast, strong wind, some like speedy horses or camels. Some would cross without any harm coming to them, and some would cross over with scratches, and some would fall into the hellfire. It has also been reported in the Sahih of Muslim that the Prophet said, Tajri bihim a'amaluhum that their deeds would race with them or they would run according to their deeds. وَنَبِيُّكُمْ قَائِمْ عَلَى الصِّرَاقِ يَقُولُ يَا رَبْ سَلَّمْ سَلَّمْ He said that your Prophet at that time when the people are going across according to their deeds he would be standing at the bridge saying يَا رَبْ O my Lord سَلَّمْ سَلَّمْ يعني let them cross over safely. حَتَّى تَعْجِزُوا أَعْمَالَ الْعِبَادِ حَتَّى يَجِيَ الرَّجُلُ فَلَا يَسْتَطِيعُ السَّيْرِ إِلَّا زَحْفًا يعني in this hadith the Prophet ﷺ said that some people their deeds would be unable to carry them across. يعني the people who had the most good deeds and the best of deeds would travel across quickly like the blinking of an eye or the speed of lightning and so on. And some people, they would cross over, but their deeds were so few that their deeds were incapable of carrying them across. And such that to the extent that a person will come, he would not be able to cross the bridge except crawling. He would go across, but he would crawl across the bridge slowly with great difficulty and fear and pain. This hadith is reported by Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman radiallahu anhu ma may Allah be pleased with him and his father and Abu Sayyid al-Khudri radiallahu anhu in the Sahih of Muslim and the last quotation that the Shaykh mentions or next to the last quotation that he mentions concerning this is that which is reported in the Sahih of al-Bukhari also on the authority of Abu Sayyid al-Khudri another portion of the same hadith he said حَتَّى يَمُرُّ آخِرَهُمْ يُسْحَبْ سَحْبًا Here, the Prophet ﷺ, after describing the different people, how they would cross according to their deeds, he said that the last of the people to cross over, he would be the last one who would cross over, after describing the different people, how they would cross according to their deeds, he said that the last of the people to cross over حَتَّى يَمُرُّ آخِرَهُمْ He will be the last one who will cross over. The Prophet ﷺ said يُصْحَبْ سَحْبًا Yani it would be as if he is being dragged across the bridge. Yani one person would cross over calling and another person, the last person who would cross over would cross over as though he was being dragged across the bridge. That's how slow he would cross over. Obviously, it would be painful. And we ask Allah for safety and security for the believers in this time of test and trial. The Shaykh finally says concerning this matter that the first of those who would cross the bridge from amongst the Anbiya, the Prophet, 
عليهم السلام would be the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And from amongst the nations, the first nation to cross would be the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And this is based on the authentic hadith from the authority of Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu reported by Imam al-Bukhari rahimahullah which he said that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said فَأَكُونُ أَنَا وَأُمَّتِي أَوَّلُ مَنْ يُجِيزَهَا That I and my ummah, my followers, would be the first who would cross over this bridge. وَلَا يَتَكَلَّمْ يَوْمَ إِذِنْ إِلَّا الرُّسُلْ And no one would speak on that day. All people would be silent. Nobody would speak except الرُّسُلْ, the messengers. وَدُعَاءَ الرُّسُلْ يَوْمَ إِذِنْ Allahumma sallam sallam and the supplication of the messengers on that day it would be simply these words Allahumma sallam sallam oh Allah allow them safety safety this is the extent of what the Shaykh mentioned concerning this topic and I hope that uh, even though we have discussed it quickly and the subject matter requires a lengthy a more lengthy discussion and the hadith concerning it need to be referred back to we should look in the sections of Al-Bukhari and Muslim concerning these matters, the matters of the resurrection and the judgment, the bridge and such matters of Sirat and that which is related to it and the descriptions of it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has uh, informed us of through revelation, through the Qur'an, through the authentic sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu in order to know with yaqeen, with certainty, the reality of what we are indeed going to be faced with. The next point, the Imam Ibn Qudama rahimahullah mentions point number 64 is related to al-shafa'a, the intercession. And we shouldn't be confused here between intercession, meaning seeking to get near to Allah by unlawful or illegal ways asking somebody to intercede for us whether the pious or righteous or saints or whoever while we are in this life whether the living or the dead we shouldn't be confused between this intercession tawassul and what we mean here by intercession as shafa'a there is a difference even though in English they may be translated the same but tawassul is different from as shafa'a we discussed as tawassul on many occasions and we said as tawassul is of two types that which is lawful from the sunnah and that which is unlawful or the innovative tawassul such as seeking blessings or seeking help or assistance by supplicating to the dead, the people who are in the graves or saints or otherwise. In any case, the lawful mean of tawassul it is seeking to get near to Allah by doing good deeds through our good deeds which we have done or supplicating to Allah by His names and characteristics and so on or asking the righteous person to supplicate to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for us as was done in the time of the Prophet sallallahu the people used to ask him to supplicate to Allah and after his death they used to ask from amongst his companions the best of them Al-Abbas the uncle of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa the Imam says point number 64 وَيَشْفَعُ نَبِيُّنَا صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ فِي مَنْ دَخَلَ النَّارِ مِنْ أُمَّتِهِ مِنْ أَهْلْ الْكَبَائِرِ that our Prophet Muhammad he would intercede for those 
from amongst his ummah who went into the fire. Ahl al kabair The people who committed major sins. And the people who committed major sins and they didn't repent from them in this life. And they died without repenting on Yawmul Qiyamah. They would have two situations. One, Allah may justly punish them for their sins. Allah may forgive them. Those who Allah doesn't forgive, but He punishes them justly, then they are the al kabair that the Prophet would intercede for. Would intercede for at that time. He said that he would intercede for those from amongst his ummah, from the al kabair the people of major sins, who would enter the fire, فَيَخْرُجُونَ بِشَفَاعَتِهِ Then they would come out of the fire due to the intercession of the Prophet بَعْدَمَا إِحْصَرَفُوا وَصَارُوا فَهْمًا وَهَمَمًا فَيَدْكُلُونَ الْجَنَّةِ بِشَفَاعَتِهِ But they wouldn't come out by intercession of the Prophet until after they were burnt up by the fire, until they became like burnt coal and ashes. Then, after that punishment, for some time, however long it may be, as Allah will, justly for their sins in this world, then they would be released by the intercession of the Prophet ﷺ or those who Allah would allow to intercede and they would then enter the paradise. This is the Ahl Tawheed, the people of Tawheed, the people who died without making shirk, without worshipping other than Allah but they committed major sins such as stealing or killing or something like this, engaging in interest or whatever. Then Al-Imam Ibn Qudama says, وَلِسَائِرِ الْأَنْبِيَاءِ وَالْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَالْمَلَائِكَةِ شَفَاعَاتٍ Also for the other prophets and the believers and the angels, they are also intercessions. And Allah will also allow the other prophets to intercede and the believers to intercede and the angels to intercede. Allah Ta'ala, and here he mentions the saying of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala, Surah Al-Anbiya, chapter 21, verse 28, وَلَا يَشْفَعُونَ إِلَّا لِمَنِ الْفَضَى وَهُمْ مِنْ خَشْيَتِهِ مُشْفِقُونَ That no one will be interceding except for those whom Allah is pleased with. Except for the one who Allah is pleased with. And no one will be allowed to intercede except that Allah is pleased with that person. And they would not be allowed to intercede for anyone except that Allah is pleased with the one who they want to intercede for. وَهُمْ مِنْ خَشْيَتِهِ مُشْفِقُونَ And they will be standing in awe, anxiety and fear for the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And at that time, some people, they will be allowed to intercede, but no one will be allowed to intercede except the one whom Allah is pleased with. And in point number 66, he says, وَلَا تَنْفَى الْكَافِرُ شَفَاعَةُ الشَّافِعِينَ That the disbeliever would not benefit from the intercession of those who could intercede. And if someone from amongst the believers wanted to intercede for the disbelievers, their intercession would not benefit. The disbeliever would not be benefited by the intercession of anyone. With only one exception that's reported authentically from the Prophet ﷺ, that he would be allowed to intercede one time for one disbeliever, that is, his uncle Abu Talib, who died on shirk, who died on the pagan religion of his ancestors, but, and Allah knows best, perhaps due to the good that he did to protect the Prophet ﷺ and to protect his mission and that which he was sent with and he died in that condition as a result 
of spending with the Prophet and trying to protect him and stand by him from the boycott of the pagan disbelievers, Abu Talib died from that. So it, perhaps it is for this reason that Allah will allow one exception. And that intercession would not be for him to come out of the fire, but it would be an intercession simply to reduce his punishment. How much time is remaining before the Adha? And we will take some of this point and we will complete it next week inshallah. In any case, the Shaykh begins in the explanation of the, this point of Ash-Shafa'ah with the definition of Ash-Shafa'ah. He says that Ash-Shafa'ah linguistically, it means to make something which is odd even. To take something which is an odd number and make it even. This is the meaning of Ash-Shafa'ah. But the technical meaning, the legal meaning in the Sharia, it means At-Tawassut Lil-Ghayr Bi-Jalbi Manfa'ah it is that someone will act as a go-between, an intermediary or an intercessor for someone else in order to gain some benefit for them or to repulse some harm from them. Yani intercession in the legal terminology of the Sharia, it means that a person will speak up on behalf of another person in order to get some benefit for that second person or to protect them from some harm and if somebody is going to be punished then somebody may speak up for them to try to prevent the punishment from coming upon them or somebody may speak up for another person who is in need of some help and another person may speak up on their behalf and say this is a good man this is a good person why don't you help them they are really in need or something like this this is the meaning of a shafa'ah now, it is uh, to do with Yom Qiyamah, inshallah. We will discuss it in detail. In any case, there are times, it is true, when the people are standing waiting for the judgment to begin. That is the time, the frightful time of horror, when no one will care about anyone else. Everyone will be worried about themselves. No child will worry about their parents. A child will say to their mother, when their mother came, as the Prophet recorded one hadith, that a, a woman will go to her child and say, give me one hasana, one. Yani just give me one of your good deeds to help me, perhaps I will get over. And he will say, get away from me, get away. A child will say to their mother, can a child say to their mother, get away from me when, when their mother is in need? This is how severe will be that time. This is what you are referring to. At that time, for sure, no one will be concerned about anyone else. As Aisha radiallahu anha asked the Prophet in the hadith in Bukhari, when she was informed that on, on the day of resurrection, the people would be standing naked, barefooted, uncircumcised. She said, men and women, they will be standing in this condition. Will people look at one another? The Prophet said, it is too frightening for anyone to look at another person. Naked people, they will not look at another person. People will be too frightened and too concerned about the severity of the hour of judgment. But there will come a time when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will allow intercession. And the prophets will intercede, the angels will intercede, the believers will intercede in general, and specifically the shuhada, the martyrs will intercede. And all of this will be in accordance with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows. No one can intercede except the Allah by the permission of Allah, except for the one who Allah is pleased with. The one who intercedes and the one who is interceded for. These are the conditions of a shafa'ah that we will mention inshallah as we go along. Uh, and the shafa'ah is of different types. There are many types of intercession. As the shaykh says, as he goes on, he says that a shafa'ah 
on the day of resurrection is of two types. Yani two primary types. Khasa bin Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Yani there's one type that is particularly or especially exclusively for the Prophet sallallahu and there's another type that is general for him and for others. Yani that he would intercede for some people in that general intercession and others including the other prophets or the angels or the believers would also share in that type of intercession, the general one. As for the one that is khas or especially exclusively for the Prophet it is al-Uzma. It is the great intercession. And that would take place, as the Shaykh says, في أهل الموقف At the time when all of humanity, from the first and the last, all people who lived on this earth, would all be standing in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, waiting for Him to begin the judgment. And the people will be faced with, and they will experience great hardship, anxiety, and fear, and terror. And they will not be able to bear it. And it would be overwhelming. At that time, when the people are in this very, very terrifying situation, they would go one by one to the Prophet, first to Adam, السلام, and then to Nuh, السلام, and then to Ibrahim, السلام, then Musa, السلام, then Isa, السلام, asking each of them one by one to intercede with your Lord for us, to get on with the judgment. It's very frightening. The sun is so close that the people are sweating. They are drenching in their sweat and fear and heat and horror of what's going to happen to them. Finally, they said, go to Adam, go to Noah, go to Abraham, Moses, go to the prophets. Each of them one by one, but all of them would make an excuse. I can't do it. Until finally, they would go to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu wasallam, and he would be allowed by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to intercede with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to begin the judgment. And then Allah would come forth and begin the judgment. This intercession to begin the judgment is al-shafa'a al-uzma, the great intercession. It is the exclusive right of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa No one else, else would be allowed it. Here the Shaykh says that the description of this event has been mentioned in a very famous hadith. Uh, but that hadith has been declared to be weak by many of the scholars. Uh, and for that reason, he said, now he just took some discussion concerning this from the authentic reports. And here he says that many of the scholars simply mention concerning a shafa'a, the shafa'a for the Ahl Kabayah, the shafa'a for the people who committed major sins. And the reason for this, as Al Hafiz ibn Kathir, Rahimahullah says, and also Ibn Abil Iz, the Hanafi scholar who gave the explanation of Al Aqidah al Sahawiyah, and we mentioned his saying concerning this previously in the study of Al-Aqidah Sahawiyyah. He says that the scholars of the Salaf of the early generations of the Muslims mentioning only or restraining themselves to the mention of the intercession for the people who committed major sins. The reason for this and the objective behind it was as a refutation of the Khawarij and those who followed them from amongst the Mu'atazila. And in those groups who denied a shafa'a intercession. They denied it. For this reason, many of the scholars of Sunnah, they mentioned only one type of intercession, the intercession for the people of major sin. Because those deviant groups rejected, they rejected the fact of intercession for the people who committed major sins. As we know, the Khawarij as well as the Mu'atazila held that people who commit major sins would be punished in the hellfire forever. Yani believers, Muslims, the followers of the Prophet who died 
without repenting from their major sins, they said they would be in the hellfire and forever, never to come out. So for that reason, they said they rejected intercession for the people who committed major sins because of the belief, the khawarij, the belief that a person who commits a major sin is a kafir. The khawarij, they said a person who commits a major sin, who drinks alcohol, is a kafir. The Ma'atazila said that he is between two positions. Yani is not really in Iman and not really in Kufr. He is in between. But ultimately, the Ma'atazila agreed with the Khawarij. In the end, they said, even though he is between two stations in this life, but in the next life he will be in the hellfire forever. Both of them are wrong. Both of them are wrong. In fact, it is authentically reported in numerable hadith from Al-Bukhari, Muslim and other authentic narrations that the Prophet said that people who committed major sin, if they didn't repent from it and Allah didn't forgive them, then Allah will allow intercession for them. Uh, just one minute after the Adhan, inshallah, to complete this thought and then we'll complete it next week, inshallah. The last point that we want to mention here It is concerning the Shafa'ah The saying of Al-Hafiz ibn Kathir It was also mentioned by Ibn Abdul Iz Al-Imam Ibn Abdul Iz That the scholars of the Sunnah By mentioning the Shafa'ah The intercession for the people committed major sins It was their intention to refute those who deviated from amongst the Khawarij, the Mu'atazila, in their belief that the people who committed major sins would be eternally in the hellfire along with the disbelievers. He says here that this Shafa'a, it is not denied. Yani the Shafa'a, the specific great intercession of the Prophet ﷺ, this exclusive for him, it has not been denied by the Mu'atazila and the Khawarij. And if they even agreed to this intercession, the intercession to begin the judgment. But what they rejected and disbelieved in was the intercession for the people who committed major sins to come out of the hellfire. Here the Sheikh says that this intercession and every type of intercession, it has a condition, or one of its conditions is the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is based on the saying of Allah in Surah Al-Baqarah, chapter 2, verse 255. من ذا الذي يشفع عنده إلا بإذنه Who is it that can intercede in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala except by his permission? Yani it is a question in Arabic language this type of question is understood to mean that no one is allowed to intercede no one will be allowed Who will be allowed to intercede? No one will be allowed to intercede إلا بإذنه except by his permission uh, The second type of intercession is the general intercession and it is the intercession for those who would enter the fire from amongst the believers who committed the major sins and it would be for them to come out of the fire after they were burnt up so they reach the condition of being like burnt coal or charcoal or ashes and this is based on the hadith of Abu Sa'id al-Khudri that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said أَمَّا أَهْلُ النَّارِ الَّذِينَ هُمْ أَهْلُهَا فَلَا يَمُوتُونَ فِيهَا وَلَا يَحْيُونَ As for the people of the fire, أَهْلُ النَّارِ those who are actually the people of the hellfire who intended for it, they would not die in it, nor would they live in it. They would not have death or life. The, the people of the hellfire whose who permanent place is hellfire. 
فيميتهم إماتة حتى إذا صاروا فحما أذنا في الشفاعة And in this hadith, the Prophet ﷺ said, As for the people, the real people of hellfire who are permanently dead as disbelievers, they would neither die nor live, but there are other people who would taste the fire due to their sins, due to their acts of disobedience to Allah, and they would be caused to die in it. A death that they would come in the form like burnt charcoal or coals, and at that time permission would be given, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would give permission for intercession. And that intercession would be from the Prophet ﷺ, the other Prophets, the angels and the believers. This hadith is reported by Imam Ahmed in his Musnad, and Al-Hafid ibn Kathir rahimahullah says in his book, An-Nihaya, on page 204, in the second volume, وَهَذَا إِثْنَادٌ صَحِيحٌ عَلَى شَرْطَ الشَّيْخِينَ وَلَمْ يُخْرُجَاهُ أو يُخْرُجَاهُ مِنْ هَذَا الْوَجْهِ And that this hadith, it has an authentic chain of narrators in agreement or in accordance with the condition of the two shaykhs, Shaykhain al-Bukhari and Muslim, though neither of them reported it in their sahih. This type of shifa will be for the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu and others amongst the Prophets, the angels and the believers, based on the hadith of Abu Sayyid al-Khudri from the Prophet sallallahu that he said, فَيَقُولُ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى شَفَعَتْ الْمَلَائِكَةِ وَشَفَعَ النَّبِيُّونَ وَشَفَعَ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ وَلَمْ يَبْقَ إِلَّا أَرْحَمَ الرَّاحِمِينَ فَيَقْبِضُ قَبْضَةً مِنَ النَّارِ فَيَقْرُجْ مِنْهَا قَوْمًا لَمْ يَعْمَلُوا خَيْرًا قَدْ قَدْ عَادُوا حِمَمًا متفق عليه ذكرب البخاري مسلم Here in this hadith the Prophet said that Allah would say at that time that the angels have interceded this is the proof that the angels will intercede. After the angels interceded, and the prophets have interceded, and the believers have interceded, and there is no one remaining to intercede except Arhamur Rahimin, the most merciful of those who are mercy, that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself. At that time he will take a handful of people from the hellfire, and they will come out, or he will bring out a people who haven't done any good at all. And they will have been turned into coal or charcoal. Yani or ashes. The Prophet ﷺ in this hadith, in the whole of the hadith, he mentioned that some people will be taken out who did a little bit of good, or some people who did less than that, and so on and so on and so forth, until after everyone who was allowed to intercede would intercede, there would be no one remaining who had any good. At that point, there will be no one who could intercede, except the most merciful of those who are merciful, that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and he would take a handful of people out of the hellfire, and how much is a handful, it is only known by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This type of intercession, it is the one that is rejected by the Mu'atazila and the Khawarij based on their madhab or their belief that the one who commits a major sin is eternally in the hellfire. Uh, so they said intercession would not be able to benefit them and we refute them with the two following points that what their opinion is in contradiction to the hadith which have been reported from the Prophet mutawatira by innumerable chains of authentic narration and second that their opinion is in contradiction to the ijma' of the early generation of the Muslim. And finally, the Shaykh says that the conditions for shafa'a too, that it has to be with the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as we mentioned from Surah Al-Baqarah, chapter 2, verse 255, who is it that can intercede except by his permission? And the second condition, it has to be by the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for the one who is interceding and the one who is interceded for, and this is based on the saying of Allah in Surah Al-Anbiya, 
chapter 21, verse 28, No one would intercede except whom Allah is pleased with. And as for the disbelievers, no intercession would benefit them. This is based on the saying of Allah in Surah Al-Mudakthir, verse 48, the saying of Allah, فَمَا تَنْفَعُهُمْ شَفَاعَةُ الشَّافِعِينَ that the intercession of those who could intercede would not benefit them. That is the disbelievers. If someone tried to intercede for them, they would not be allowed. And the exception to this is the intercession of the Prophet ﷺ for his uncle Abu Talib, who would be in a condition in the fire that it would be up to his sandals. His feet would be boiling in the fire and it would make his brain to boil. And his condition would be so bad. It would be, even though he is the least punished in the hellfire, he would think he is the worst punished. His punishment would be so severe, he would feel as though he is the most severely punished, and in fact he would be the one who is least punished in the hellfire. The Prophet ﷺ said concerning this, وَلَوْلَا أَنَا لَكَانَ مِنَ النَّارِ If it was not for me, yani being allowed to intercede by Allah ﷻ, he would be in the, in the lowest degrees of the hellfire, and this hadith is reported by Al-Imam Muslim. So this is a special intercession for the Prophet ﷺ for his uncle Abu Talib alone. And that is Allah knows best due to the help and support that he gave to the, to the Prophet in defending him and defending the message that he came with. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika shadwan la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Just quickly, the questions in, in brief that came from the first part, as-sirat, what is intended by the expression as-sirat on the Day of Judgment? It is in reference to the bridge that will be placed over the hellfire. Uh, will everyone, mu'min and kafir, into the fire when crossing the sirat? The correct opinion is not everyone would enter the fire. Uh, no one would pass over it. Yani no one would pass over except that they were fallen, means the kafirs. As for the believers, many of them would pass over without falling in. Give some description of astirat. We said that it was thinner than a blade, than a, a grain, a, a strain of hair, sharper than a sword. It was slippery and it had hooks on the ends of it which would catch some of the people uh, or some would fall off it into the hellfire. At what speed would the believers cross the sirat? Some of them would cross like the speed of a blinking of an eye or the speed of lightning or strong wind or fast horses or camels and so on until some would crawl and some would cross as though they are being dragged across. Who would be the first person to cross the sirat? And the first Ummah, the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu would be the first one to cross the Sirat and the first nation to cross would be the Ummah of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. If there are any questions, just quickly before we go to the Salat, perhaps there is one minute or so. You don't have the handout? Oh, here. Did anyone not get number 17? There were two. 16 was from last week and 17 from this week. Sarah, I'm going to